It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires, and uh, this whole month we're talking about leading your team spiritually and what that looks like. It's coming from different people, and today I am joined by Tim Tibbles. Tim, how's it going? It's good, man. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about Tim. Oh, man. Uh, I am uh, I'm a worship pastor. My, my, I guess my official title these days is creative arts minister. So I kind of oversee all the different departments um, that go along with that. I am creeping up on 50 a lot faster uh, than I want to. <laughs> um, been, uh, been married for 28 years this May. Uh, yeah. which I'm excited about. She's uh, She's been incredibly faithful and helping me and teaching me to grow and uh, staying patient with me. So that's been pretty awesome. We got married right out of high school, um, which was uh, which was a lot of challenge in and of itself, but um, just try to be faithful to God's calling. And then we've had five kids since we got married. So uh, my oldest is, <laughs> my oldest is 26, almost 27. My youngest is six. So, uh, so we got a quite a wide diversity of ages. <laughs> that's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> I have a grandkid, which is weird. Uh, I refuse to be called grandpa though. So we've come up with some alternative names and then um, I, uh, yeah, we have another one on the way in April. So um, t- my two oldest kids are married and crushing life and another it's, kid uh, or another grandkid on the way. Which uh, we have another grandkid on another the way. Grandkid. It is I'm just checking. Biologically just... impossible for us okay. to have another child. So I'm just checking. You went down to six. So I was just making sure if they were going to and a baby. <laughs> so yeah, man. So life is good. I, uh, I serve at a church near Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, called Owasso first church. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we're not just trying to be first church. We literally were the first church in Owasso and, uh, before the before Oklahoma was a state. So our church is um, one of the unique things about our church is we're 115 years old now. Oh, that's um, awesome. Which is pretty cool. In this season, we're experiencing the the greatest growth we've ever experienced as a church in in the history of our of our church. Uh, both just numerically, percentage wise, all everything is kind of pointing up right now. So it's been a it's been a pretty crazy ride for us the last couple of years. Um, I've been in ministry full time for about 22 years now, so which is pretty cool. Um, and a lot of that I, in Oklahoma. A lot it? of it, yeah. I served for about 12 years here, so they hired me to be the associate youth minister. So I worked for the youth minister. It was kind of an expansion of uh, of our youth ministry at the time. I was the first, you know, associate. And part of my job was to oversee worship for students. And okay. um, about a year and a half later, they asked me to step into the worship uh, primary worship leader role, and so I did that for about 10-ish years. And then uh, I resigned here. I grew up here. So this, it was kind of a weird, um, a weird transition of, I don't really know who I am apart from, you know, first church. And yeah. so, um, I took a position at a uh, church in Arlington, Texas called Pantego Bible church, worked there for five years. Um, the Lord called us back to Oklahoma through some, some family transition with my dad and his family and my, my grandfather, um, um, ultimately passing away from dementia. So, um, we came back up here and first church called me and said, Hey, would you be willing to come back? And I've been here 
for five years now. So it's been That's this weird, awesome. you know, <laughs> 20 plus year experience and, you know, with a, with a little, you know, six year break. So it's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. I love that you yeah. also had the youth, the youth worship side and the, and, and then, and then doing what you're doing now. That's got, you got, yeah. And I still love to do youth. I'll do camps and children's yeah. camps and uh, it's getting a little harder to recover, you know, from, from <laughs> bouncing around on the platform. You're like, you, know, and, you guys can jump in. I'm just going to play. Yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> but it gives me lots of appreciation for, uh, you know, for some of my, some of my childhood heroes, like Toby Mack, who's 60 and, you know, still crushing it on stage Truth. and, you know, stuff like that. So <laughs> Truth. oh my gosh, I get winded just watching it. I know. Same. So anyway, so yeah, but I mean, the Lord is, the Lord is, incredibly um gracious to 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 me and my family and and uh, it's been a it's been a fun experience these last couple of decades that's awesome i love it well this month at, on the table we're talking about leading your team spiritually and uh you know we talk about different things around here but uh this month just kind of going after this going what does it mean to lead people and not just where are you going but also like making sure they're they're on on track and you know and um doing things and you know following following all the right all the right all the right steps and so right right um with i want to before we jump into that i want to talk about the preparation side of it like without i mean without jesus i mean to be honest we're just a glorified cover band right right songs <laughs> on the weekend right i mean i mean if you think about if you took jesus out of what we do like what are, i mean we're, we're just we we get together and we play music and Man, I'd you know, take it a step further. We are a live karaoke band. Is live what we karaoke. Are. That's we a are good, a live karaoke band because that's a good you know, one. We, we put you know we put words on the screen and we tell people to sing along whether they want to or not. You know, <laughs> the only thing missing is that bouncing ball. Is on exactly the, <laughs> it's on the words. That's amazing. So, if as I'm prepping and as I'm planning, how would what do you do and how do you how do I bring Jesus more into my planning and my preparation uh, into the weekends and uh, into what I'm doing, like how, how kind of talk us through that, and what are your thoughts Man, on that? That that's such a great question, and I think um, I think it is one you know, and I'll say to the young worship leaders listening right now, this is one you're going to wrestle with your whole life. You know, it truly Truth. is. Um, it's very similar to how do I make sure that my wife or my spouse is the center of my marriage, you know, or that God is the center of our marriage together, and so um, it's something you have to constantly work at. Um, the Sunday school answer, I think is the best answer, man. You got to spend time with the Lord. You just have to, you know, you have to read your Bible. And, um, I would, I would place some brackets around that, uh, reading daily devotionals is not reading your Bible. It's not really reading scripture, you know? Um, I think one of the things that I am leaning more into, um, in my life right now is reading scripture to discover more about God than just how it applies to me. Um, you know, I think, you know, to use the big theology words, you know, there's a difference between exegesis and eisegesis. You know, eisegesis is how I place myself in scripture. Um, exegesis is what is what is trying to be, what is being said in scripture. And um, I think more and more, um, you know, I, I, let me let me back up just a little bit. I, I've been reading through the book of Philippians every day this year. Um, it's just kind of part of what I'm trying oh, to kind cool. of dig out. You know, this is the end of Paul's life. He's literally sitting uh, in, in a house that he is imprisoned in, you know, he's under house arrest. The cool thing about, uh, the book of Philippians is it's written to, um, most people know, um, uh, the, the little town of Philippi, but Philippi was actually a colony where Roman soldiers would go to retire. So you've got this kind of juxtaposition of this Roman guard and citizens who gave their life to a government that is now holding Paul hostage in his own home. 
And, uh, and they are supporting him. They're sending him money. They're, they're sending him, you know, care and uh, encouragement and all these different things. And, um, you know, in the middle, in the middle of, uh, of the book of the letter, Paul makes a statement that I think is incredibly profound. He says, I want to know Christ and uh, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection to mm. participate in his sufferings and be like him into death. And there's a lot of things that Paul could have asked this group for. They probably had lots of political influence and power. If they, if they were successful, you know, uh, Roman soldiers, they would have had connections. Um, but he didn't really ask for anything. He, he just said at this point in my life, what I really want is just to know God better. You know, I just want to know Christ. Yeah. And even if it means sharing in his sufferings, even if it means suffering like he suffered and dying like he died, that's, I just, I want to give up everything, you know, and right. What's incredible is right before that um, he's talking about, you know, all of these things that he has to brag about, you know, that he was, uh, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, and circumcised on the eighth day. Like he had his whole life in order and he's got all these things that he could lay down on the table and say, uh, treat me with respect, um, take, you know, take care of me. But he said, you know, I'm, I'm giving all that up. I count all that as loss so that I can know Christ. And so um, I think, what we do with our lives will come out in our worship. You know, mm. how we view God um, in our personal lives will eventually uh, show itself uh, in our leadership and in our worship. And so I, I'm personally at a place where I'm just trying to, okay, what, what do I not know about you yet, God? You know, how can I, how can I know you more? How can I discover uh, what it is you have for me? And, uh, and, how, and, and let, let God play himself out in my life because of our, our relationship um, not because, you know, I, I spent a few minutes studying a daily devotional before I stepped on the platform. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I think that's a big thing. Um, I think another thing, um, that, that kind of gets lost in, um, how do we include Jesus is we, we spend a lot of time as worship leaders focusing on what's new, what's old. Um, you know, if you're part of a kind of a more modern church, you just want to do the new songs. Um, uh, if you're more of a traditional church, we just want to do hymns. Um, we tend to focus on keys and song structures and how we set up planning center and all of those things. And all those things are good. And I think they serve a purpose, but I think we have to make sure that the purpose is always the Lord, that everything we do, every tool we've been given, every planning yeah. center, you know, schedule, every pro presenter, you know, slide, every guitar, every vocalist, like the whole point is to bless the Lord. And I think when we go into our planning, uh, to how we make sure, uh, we're going to create something that we go into it creating, um, not something to please ourselves, because I think that's a trap that we can fall into. Oh, I love this song. I want to do this. I want to introduce yeah. this to my church. Or oh, this song really moved me in the car. You know, those types of things. Because we all have our personal worship time in the car. Um, or or these people won't sing if I don't do this song, you know, type of a thing. And if we can just step out of that and say, okay, how do we build something that that ultimately blesses the Lord from from the congregation? And uh, we're, we're privileged, I think, as leaders to be able to gather people. I love the way Joel Houston says it. He says that um, we have the opportunity to put words on the lips of people that they will then give to the Lord, Oof. you know? And um, I think uh, when we recognize that, um, it becomes a different type of planning, you know? Um, I the, the big example I use, uh, I warned you, I talk a lot, so I'm so sorry oh, you're if, all I'm, good, if man. I'm rambling. Going. This is great. This is great. Uh, one of the big um, examples that I use is I'm, I grew up in a large family. I have a large family. If uh, I'm the oldest of five kids, if I wanted to do something for my dad for his birthday, let's say, that would be a really easy thing. My dad and I love going to concerts. We love um, doing road trips together. It'd be really easy for me to say, okay, dad, let, here's the thing I'm giving you for your birthday. Let's go do this. Or let's, you know, here's, here's your gift. Um, it becomes a completely different thing when I go to my siblings and say, hey guys, 
let's all go in together and get my dad's or get our dad something for Christmas or for his birthday. You know, suddenly that simple thing becomes very complex because all of my siblings have a little bit different relationship with my dad. You know, my youngest sister, who I didn't really get to grow up with because we're pretty spread apart. um, Her and my dad would probably go see a, you know, a St. Louis Cardinal game, you know. Um, And so there might be this conflict of, well, I want to do this for dad or I want to do that for dad. And I think ultimately the challenge of the worship leaders, how do we get all the kids together and say, what are we going to do together That's for the Lord? Analogy. You know, um, and, and it gets real complicated, but I think as leaders, we've been, we've been given that privilege of being able to kind of have that conversation. So. That's amazing. And I, I love that because it, it, uh, it talks about how we, we all bring different things and a different perspective, but as the worship leader, we tend to have to filter those perspectives yep. and, and answer the questions and, you know, get the comment cards from people who didn't who didn't get their 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 <laughs> the part request, of the gift, right? Their right, request, the right? Yeah. The, have you ever stopped to like ponder and think about the fact that on earth, God has given us the ability to do what we're going to do in heaven? Yes. And as, as leaders, they, he's like, I I trust you to um, man. Something's in my throat. As leaders, I trust you to. Um, to do this thing, you know, and yeah. to be, and to be, and to, and to continue on doing it. And, uh, and, and he's like, I trust you to do it. You know, people do taxes for a living and mm-hmm. great. You know, people make coffee for a living. Um, great. But it's like, I trust you to do this. And so when we, gosh, when we fall into a rut in planning and, uh, don't bring that into our preparation, it's almost like we're making a mockery of, of this, of this, this, uh, thing that we've been like entrusted with. Yep. Your spiritual stewardship as a leader will ultimately determine the spiritual direction in which you lead. Yeah. And um I think uh I I don't know that I took that seriously enough when I was younger. It's yeah. definitely more forefront. Um <clears throat> and probably because I'm doing more investing in the, the next generation, the younger generation, helping my own kids. My yeah. both of my oldest two kids are involved in full-time ministry. So helping them kind of navigate those waters and um, you know, I think just more and more realizing that like, it, really, um, what you said is true. Like we've been, we've been given this to do and we can be good stewards of it or we can't, you know, yep. and, uh, and the Lord, and the Lord kind of lets that. I, one of my favorite phrases was spoken by a pastor of Southeast Christian church at the time. He says, may we never get so distracted by the the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. And, Ooh, um, yeah. and I think uh, it's real easy to do, right. It's really easy to fall in love with our songs or our methods or specific software, you know, I mean, you're thinking about churches, you know, and the, the, you know, maybe we like planning center, we like CCB or, you know, all these different, you know, applications we use. Um, it's so, it's so easy to fall in love with our methods and our systems. Um, we just have to remember these systems, these methods that we've built were meant for a purpose. And ultimately yeah. that's to bless the Lord as his children because he has lavished his love on us. Right. Like that's what we are. We're his kids. That's so good. It leads me to my next question. Um, really well, what, where is the balance between the spiritual and the test, the technical aspects of leading worship each week? You know, before we hopped on here, we were talking about how a worship leader has to be administratively gifted, you know, have musical skill, have the ability to lead, <laughs> like all of the things you have to, they have to go into this one person and then have the calling to be a worship leader and then do it and then do it well, you know? And so how do I, how do I find that balance between making sure we, you know, we look and sound great, but not losing like mm. the, the why we do what we do. 
Yeah. So uh, one of the things I really try to lean into my teams um, is, you know, uh, we were talking before we got on about, you know, Roy Noland and his book, Heart of the Artist, yeah. you know, um, it was a really influential book in my life. Uh, Sally Morgenthaler, um, um, you know, Worship Evangelism. Um, you know, there's been some great ones out lately, you know, How to Worship a King, The Reset by Jeremy Riddle. You know, there's there's some great there's some great books out there um, that kind of help with that. But one of the things I really try to lean into my team is for, for, you know, literally decades, hundreds of years, uh, centuries, people have been trying to kind of put their arms around what the idea of worship is. And, uh, I think Paul does it perfectly in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You know, and then he mm-hmm. st- spends the next several verses explaining how we get to do that. Yeah. Uh, but the idea I think of worship is when we give ourselves up for the Lord to benefit him and his kingdom, that is worship, whatever that looks like. And I often tell my worship teams, uh, specifically, um, our worship isn't on the platform because the truth is, it's like, we don't want to be sitting in the pews, right? Like we don't, we do not yeah. want to be sitting in the chairs. What we want is to be playing our instrument or singing the songs. Um, we love that. That's not really, it's not really something we are giving up at all. The worship for us comes when we're not staying out late on Saturday night. Cause we get, we know we got to be ready early Sunday morning. You know, it's memorizing our music, you know, so that when we show up uh, on Sunday, we can, we can lead, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's rehearsals. It's, it's all of those things. It's getting up early. If you got multiple services on Sunday, that's really the sacrifice that we as we as musicians, you know, and worship leaders make for our tech teams. It looks a little different. It's understanding their equipment, all of those things. So I think I think we have to back up again. And it's kind of reiterating what I said a moment ago and just realizing like this is why I do this. And my job as a worshiper is to bring the best I have of my worship in, into the altar of the Lord. You know, in the yeah. Old Testament, that was a that was a spotless lamb, or um, you know, or or a bird, or what, whatever they had, or their their you know the first fruits of their uh, of their um, you know their 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 harvest. You know, in today, that's that's going to just look a little bit different. And my guess is, is even the first fruits of the harvest or the spotless lamb probably wasn't perfect. This is why we needed Jesus, right? Yeah. So for us today on this side of the new covenant, I think what what I really try to help people realize is like what we're getting ready to do is is bless the Lord as His people, and we want to bring our best offering to His altar. And so it kind of changes a little bit of the attitude of like, hey, I'm doing this to be perfect, or I'm doing this for excellence, or I'm doing this for you know to look professional which is one of the big arguments we always have. But I think if we just keep the Lord as the forefront of why we do it, it just changes our perspective on, you know, the balance there because we're no longer doing it to look good. Um, we're no longer doing it to compare ourselves to, you know, the big church, you know, across town or, you know, the big church now shoot with, with the way live streaming has gone, the big church across the, you know, the, the world. Anywhere um, you want to go, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we are doing it because we are a group of God's children trying to bless him. You know, and, uh, and I think that's where the balance comes in. We bring the best of what we have forward and I may not have, uh, I have really great teams, you know, but I might not have the same team that, you know, Elevation has or North Point has, or CCV has some of these really big churches, but what I do have, we're going to, we're going to bring our best to the table Amen. and we're going to lay it down before the Lord and say, this is yours. And in the end, what I hope is that God is blessed by it, you know? Amen. So, um, so that's, that's, that's kind of the balance for me. I think when that's the case and you can look at God and say, I, this is, this is what I have. This is all I can give. Yeah. Um, then he ends up being blessed regardless of how perfect or imperfect it might seem. So good. And I feel like that also, we sometimes as worship leaders and creators just beat ourselves down 
yep. by what we sound like. Especially you mentioned the live stream with the ability to see into other people's churches. And there's the, the the automatic like in your brain go, I don't sound like that. I don't look like that. I don't be yep. the realization <laughs> of like, like, well, they don't, you know, they, they're not, um, you don't have to be that. And, right. and yeah, your goal is to lead people to, to the feet of Jesus and get out of the yep. way. Yep. And I think too, like a good gut check for us on this is, um, when you go back and you watch your YouTube or your, you know, wherever you live stream, you know, yeah. what, what are your feelings there? You know, um, if your feelings, man, I don't really want my friends to see that they're, you know, or I don't want, you know, I don't want to compare that to so-and-so, um, you know, it, it might be a good place to start and say, okay, Lord, how do I shift my perspective from, I don't want to, you know, I'm right now comparing this to what my standard is or to what this person's standard is to God, how can I just do this to bless you? You mm. know, how can, how can my relationship with you be in such a place that, you know, this is the best I had to give yeah. and, and I'm okay with it because I know you're okay with it, you know, and, and just receiving that grace from the Lord. I think, I think it's a good, a good kind of gut check for us. So, yeah, we just, uh, we just uh, are in a season right now as a family, we just lost or closed down our music teaching studio and, uh, we was telling my I was telling my girls about I have three daughters about it and um and it just said it's not it doesn't make financial sense for us to continue on doing what we're doing and one of my daughters she's eight she looks at me with these like wobbly eyes the the water the water's welling up at the bottom you know those cartoon eyes and yeah, right. lips quivering <laughs> and she says dad I can you can have everything in my piggy bank if that would help oh my gosh at eight years old uh. and I and I was like. You are giving me, in your mind, your piggy bank is going to fix yes. all the problems. That is, in my mind, that was picturing, like, as a worship leader, I'm like, that's us bringing our gift. Like, yes. where you might go, this is this is what I have. This is what I have to give. This is what I have to bring. What does that do? Like, you know, where I, I mean, she had no qualms about, in like, there, you know, there's, what what is there, 20 bucks in her piggy bank. It's like. That's going to fix all the, this is everything I have in her mind, everything she owns. And she's willing to give that to, to as the, as a sacrifice to the family to help process. Wow. And I was like, gosh, yes. I mean, it was like, I don't know, keep it. But like, I just, it was a beautiful picture in my mind about, about worship and, and, the, and, and us bringing that gift to Jesus and not, not thinking, is this enough? Is this, is this worthy wow. enough? It's no like everything we do has that, um, and then of course I lost it as a dad. I just started crying. I was weeping like it just. Um, well, even now I, I telling the story, like, I get I get a little emotional oh my talking gosh, about it. Dude. I often say that everything I've learned about, not everything, that's probably a bad way to say that, but a lot of what I've learned about the Lord has come from being a father. You know, oh, and uh, we have those moments where like, okay, first of all, if I can have that kind of heart when I bring the Lord what I have, yeah. I can say, God, you know, it's the, it's the story of the, the woman with the two coins, right. That she puts them in while the Pharisees are watching and, you know, God, this is what I have. Like, if this, if this blesses you, this is what I want to give, you know, but then also as a father to think, man, what does that do for the Lord's heart? You know, yeah. when I could say, I know that in your economy, this probably, this probably is, is $20, you know, but yeah. this is what I have. And I want this to bless you and your kingdom. Like that's, I just think that's where spiritual change happens. You know, um, one of my favorite scriptures, um, in fact, I get this from Sally Morgan there from her book, uh, worship evangelism. And if you're a young worship leader and you have not read that book, I know it's an old book. Some of it's probably a little dated. She's done a couple updates, I think, since I read it, but, um, 
one of the great scriptures she pulls out is from first Corinthians chapter 14. And I think a lot of people get stuck on the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in that chapter. Um, but I think, uh, Paul's actually using the spiritual gifts a little bit tongue in cheek to kind of point back to the church there and say, listen, you're so focused on your gifts. You're not even doing what you were called to do. And he makes, mm. he makes this statement it says if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying and I'll put in parentheses around that doing what believers are supposed to do. Cause he kind of spells it out. So if an unbeliever comes or an inquirer comes in while everyone is doing what they're supposed to do as believers, uh, then they are convicted of their sin and brought under judgment by all and the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Mm. And we've spent so much time, I think, in my generation trying to build a church that's relevant. Um, that is, I mean, there's, there's a magazine that was launched. I don't even know if they're still around. That was yep. launched when I was younger called relevant magazine, you yep. know, and we're trying to create relevant music and, you know, that kind of transitioned into the emerging church and the seeker friendly churches. And now we're just looking for authenticity. And what Paul is saying here, I think is that if you just do what believers do, there is nothing more convicting. There's nothing more convicting than just worshiping and recognizing God as your father to the, to the unbeliever around you. You know, he literally says they'll fall down on their faces and worship exclaiming God is among you, you know? Um, so we get, we get so hung up on, you know, things that don't matter when to, to, to the point of your story, if we just bring our gift before the Lord, like God takes care of all that. We, Amen. you know, we don't have to put on a, a show. Amen. Talk, talk to the worship leader for a minute. Who's realizing, wow, I'm, I have fallen in a rut of just completing tasks. Like I am, re I've gotten really good at executing Sunday morning, my Sunday morning responsibilities. You know, I've got the, I've got it all lined up and I, and I, I'm realizing now it's at the loss of mm. this, of this authenticity or it's at the loss mm. of, of this, uh, like spiritual direction for my team. What would you say is a good, like, like, how do I take a first step towards like kind of like redirecting my ship? Yeah, I think um, sometimes it's good to just remember, you know, uh, to uh, to go back to, you know, a famous Black Panther movie that was released not too long ago. So just remember who we are, you know, or if yeah. you want to go back further, you know, Mufasa's words to, to Simba, right? <laughs> like, remember right. who you are. Like, if you were a worship leader and you were called to be a worship leader, there's two words in that title. You know, one is worship and the other is leader. And um, I think we can lead well and not worship well. Uh, we can worship well and not lead well. You know, and so what do those two things look like together? Um, and just kind of back to the beginning, if if we're not spending time alone worshiping, you know, our congregational worship, I, I when I teach this, I call this the me and the we. There's there's me time with God. I got to have my me time with God. But then there's we time with God. Mm. And uh, sometimes those things overlap. You know, you can make a little Venn diagram out of those two things. There's some there's some shade where that overlaps. Uh, but for the most part, um, what is required of me in congregational setting looks a lot different than what's required of me when it's just God and I, you know, and um, we have to remember our job. Our, our goal is, is to lead our people in worship. And if they are not worshiping, it doesn't really matter if we're worshiping on the stage, yeah. you know, or on the platform. And so I would say the young worship leader, you know, look at your congregation. What are, how are they responding? And try to find those things that you can you can do as as the instrument that God is using in that moment to draw the worship out from them. You know, help them see who God is, who they are in light of who God is, and um, you know, and work on that. And sometimes in the planning, it can get real monotonous. You know, but spend time praying over your services. I know that sounds just so simple. <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, we tend to here where we're at now. We tend to uh, look at. Um, 
uh, our worship services in context of the series that uh, that our that our our minister is preaching. And this series we're in right now has been super simple because it's all like fundamental doctrine type stuff, like who is God and who is Jesus and you know what is the Bible and those types of things. And so we're able to kind of construct some worship around that um, that that kind of helps fit that. But the idea is that we're pointing everybody back to Jesus and. You know, I don't want to be critical of all the worship music that's coming out right now because I think there's some really great songs that are being um, written you know, for the yeah. church. You know, um, probably when we were growing up, we were looking forward to the new Hillsong album coming out or the new 722 project coming out. You know, yeah. just so that we can have new songs to sing. Yep. Um, you know, now like there's new projects coming out every day, and it's almost like, okay, how do I grab from all this great stuff? Um, but we can sing a lot about ourselves, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. we can put ourselves again in the place, in the place of the Lord on, on, you know, um, I think it's the human condition, right? We always try to make ourselves God, uh, in our own minds, but taking that minute to just step back and say, okay, how do I give this to the Lord? How can I bless the Lord with this? And you know, what are new fresh ways to do it? Maybe it's like at our, at our church, we don't end in a song like a lot of people do. Um, we, we end with the sermon, typically the sermon ends and, uh, one of our campus ministers will come up and, invite people to come pray after the service. Uh, but maybe here in a few weeks, we're going to do a, we're going to do a sermon called Jesus is the way. And I, I looked at our minister or our lead pastor and just said, Hey, um, I think this would be a good one to flip the worship service around a little bit. You know, let's give yeah. people some time to respond here. You know, um, we've got a lot of people, new people coming to our church right now who may not know the Lord. This may be the first time they get a chance to respond to this message. And so, um, this is a different type of response day. So trying to look at where the Lord is leading your senior pastor is a pretty big deal you know, and trying to see how we can fit in that. But I just think as worship leaders, man, our job is to, is to lead people in worship, you know? Um, but I also think there's a second part of that. Um, maybe, maybe your title is second worship pastor. It's still two words, but I think we have to work really hard at pastoring people, you know, more care about people, visit them in the hospital, um, go, go to, you know, man, there's nothing like people that worship, um, at like a, a CR celebrate recovery, or, you know, if you've ever been involved in the prison ministry and you lead worship there, man, um, it's people go after who, it. Oh yeah. yeah. And it, it reminds me of that story of, um, of Jesus when he's visiting Simon, the Pharisee, and he goes to his house and there's the woman, you know, King James version calls it the woman of ill repute. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and she just, falls at his feet and weeps and washes his feet with her tears. And, you know, Jesus makes this, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but Jesus makes a really significant statement to Simon when he says, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't let her touch you. And Jesus said, this woman loves much because she's been forgiven much, you mm. know, and uh, her worship just looked completely different because she realized who she was and who in light of who Jesus was, you know? So um, there seems to be an echoing theme here as we're talking, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think I love that's a, uh, that's, you know, that's where we got to get to, to get out of that rut. It's really got to be, okay, who am I in light of who Jesus is and what does he want me to accomplish in this moment? You know, and there's going to be some seasons where it's going to look the same every week because it's just over and over. The repetition is good. Yeah. Um, but if you fall in a rut, man, back up, spend some time with the Lord and just think, okay, God, what, what do I need to do this Sunday to convince your people, to show your people who you are so that they will be convinced to worship you? you know? Amen. Amen. So we um, we call our podcast the table, and um, and I I believe good conversation happens around good food, and I think yep. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm loving this. I'm loving the look on your face right now because I think this is going to have a great uh, great answer. Uh, what do you? If I was coming over to your house for dinner, uh, what is a meal you might be serving? Okay, so we, my family loves to do. We are one of those weird families that we do Taco Tuesday every Tuesday. And it has become. Why is that weird? Why is that weird? I, I, I'm, I'm, it's you know it's so cliche, right? <laughs> it is, but 
we love inviting people over on our taco Tuesdays yeah. because it's a great, like everybody loves tacos. Everybody makes their tacos a little bit different, you know, right. and we kind of put all the stuff on the counter and, and just tell people like make your own taco. And then we sit at the table and sometimes some of the best conversations we get are sitting around the table, drink, yeah. uh, uh, eating tacos and, and, uh, you know, drinking our sweet tea and just, just, uh, having great conversation about the Lord. So yeah, okay, if you so were to come well, over to my house right now, we would probably be having tacos. I'm going to invite Tuesday. you Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Sorry. It's a Wednesday. But we're doing Tuesday. Um, yeah. But like, what? Talk. Walk me through the tacos. Are we? Is it always looking the same? Or are we? Are you? Okay, are you? So, are you barbecue? Are you? Are you? What? 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 What's being made here? Yeah. So no, are you'd good. say grilling. Uh, you'd say grilling. I right. I, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say. I would say barbecue. That's you grill. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would say barbecue too. I mean, okay. some of the best. Yeah. So we're in the Midwest, right? Yeah. So this is barbecue country. Um. Uh, you know, it just kind of depends on the week. This last week, we've we've kind of been dealing with a little bit of sickness in our house, so my my wife made taco soup. You know, so so we mm-hmm. we'll change it up from time to time. Um, if it's just us, we kind of as a family, we kind of have we like the way we do our tacos. So yeah. it's usually you know uh, ground beef with uh, some seasoning that my wife creates from scratch, and we'll have both soft shells and hard shells. Um, good day. I like to I like to throw the cheese on first because it's kind of like the the cement for everything else. It'll melt, and your 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 lettuce will stick to it, and then you know a little tomato on top, and then some uh, some salsa, and man, you're good to go. If you take one thing away from this podcast today, your lettuce will stick to it. It's it a will. quote. Is it right? Right. Most okay, so <laughs> this is this is I have opinions about this. This is most people will throw their cheese on top, you know, and the cheese just falls off. And in yep. my opinion, cheese is some of the best part of the taco. Amen. So Amen. get your hot meat, put it in your shell, throw the cheese on top of that, and as it melts, you know, things like your lettuce and tomatoes yep. will stick to your taco. It'll be it's, less messy. It's the cement. It's a, it's there it is. <laughs> that is taco, that is Kim's taco the, the, the philosophy. Yeah. That's right. That's amazing. I started uh, dur- during COVID, I became a uh, avid uh like using our smoker to make things and i started smoking salsa oh. and a smoked salsa with the taco oh my gosh it changed my life it all of a sudden <laughs> changed everything that i do and it, we we regularly have it in our fridge when when it runs out i'm making more and i'm always it's always it's always it's always been sounds like i need to come to your house on tuesday I mean, <laughs> we, it's right we're gonna have to bring the bring, bring these ideas together and make it happen yeah for sure man hey tell yeah. us how we can connect how, how we can connect with you Super easy. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about Romans 12, one today and, uh, that's, so that's my handle on all social medias. If you spell it out, Romans 12, one R O M A N S T W E L V E O N E on YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. So TikTok. So, uh, that's, that's where I'm at. So that's- if you're going to follow me on Twitter, just know that like, I'm a huge basketball fan and most of my sports conversation <laughs> happens there. You're probably not going to get a whole lot of spiritual conversation on my Twitter, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, everywhere else you're, you're good to go if you're looking for worship stuff. So that's amazing. <laughs> hey Tim, I, pr- I appreciate you hanging out today. I yeah, man. This, man. I, I, and I mean this, I'm genuinely honored to, to be asked to do this. Um, I, I, I love these types of things and I'm in a season of my life where I'm, desiring more to share more, you know? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I really appreciate you asking me to, me to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome guys. We will uh, continue our conversation next week and uh, we will see everybody then.